From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Welcome back to the Cannabis Podcast. This is episode 125. Is this your first visit? Well, an especially warm welcome for you. Ahead, 30, 40 minutes of cannabis information for you. Perhaps you'll chuckle, perhaps you'll learn something, perhaps you'll get a better insight into something as well. Before we get started, let me remind you this program is intended only for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended purely for entertainment and perhaps educational purposes. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. In episode 125, we in fact are taking a retro look at episode 66. That was when we first spoke to Therese Bowers, a cannabis coach who works out of Nelson, B.C., Another conversation with Therese. We caught up at the recent BC Cannabis Summit, connected, and a further conversation to see how she's doing. And she's doing quite well. I have a great opinion piece from my buddy David Wiley at theokanaganz.com. Maybe Health Canada should stop treating us like children. And apparently Canadian consumers will pay more for quality. And yes, that THC hunt continues. On Cultivar Corner, we're trying something new. It's one of those new hash strips from the folks at ShredX. It's a blueberry blaster. One of those 10 little hash strips went into one of my joints. Let's see what it does. All of that and more on episode 125 of the Cannabis Podcast. And let me give a shout out to Gary. No, I'm not confused. (laughs) I got called out on the sales floor last week by a listener of the podcast who wanted to meet always pleased to do that. And luckily this was an easy name to remember, even though I did have to ask him twice. (laughs) Thanks for connecting, Gary. I truly appreciate you being a listener. I appreciate as well you letting your friends know about the podcast. Welcome. I hope you continue to enjoy the ride. And now let's get to our first story. And that is the opinion piece from Mr. David Wiley on why Health Canada maybe should just leave us alone. Or as David puts it, Health Canada needs to stop being a helicopter parent. When I was 10 years old, it was lights out by 8.30 p.m. Now that I'm much older, I still go to bed about that time. Not because my parents are going to holler at me if I don't, but because I'm an adult and I can make my own decisions, darn it. The same should be said for cannabis consumers. We're all adults. Sure, it's a silly analogy. Still, governments have a tendency to see themselves as parents and often argue they're just trying to keep us safe. Newsflash, kids grow up and so do young industries. Even Canada's stodgy competition bureau sees the federal government needs to stop being such a helicopter parent. The watchdog and independent law enforcement agency made some common-sense arguments in its recent submission to the federal government in response to the federal review of the Cannabis Act legislation. Health Canada's objective to provide for the establishment of a diverse and competitive legal industry made up of small and large players to displace the illicit market resonated with the Bureau. Last week, they filed a beefy response, and we covered that on the last episode of the Cannabis Podcast. While recreational cannabis legalization is still relatively new, the industry has grown and evolved over the last five years, and there remains tremendous potential to shape its future path, says the report. To break down what the Bureau said in its nearly 13,000-word report, the system is broken and it needs to change. They identified five key barriers for cannabis producers— license and compliance cost, current THC limits on edibles, 
prohibitions on promotion, packaging, and labeling, the excise duty framework, and lack of industry standardization across provinces and territories. When it comes to competition in the cannabis industry, legal companies are fighting with one hand tied behind their back and a leg chained to a ball. Sure, they're in competition with each other, with some also up against government stores. They also compete against unlicensed stores and mail-order marijuana companies that don't play by rules and don't pay taxes. The Bureau isn't the only voice crying in the wilderness for Health Canada to take note. The expert panel tasked with making a report is likely getting inundated with similar messaging from across the board, including businesses, advocates, lobbyists, associations, etc. Because the Bureau is saying what others have been saying for years. It's not like weed is hanging out on the couch and not pulling its own weight. The industry has earned its place as a top economic generator. A study by Deloitte and the Ontario Cannabis Store found the industry has contributed $43.5 billion to Canada's gross domestic product and helped create 151,000 jobs since legalization. Meanwhile, the government has raked in $15.1 billion in taxes from wrecked consumers and medical patients. Once rules around consumption and events loosen up, it will be even more prevalent in tourism. It's worth keeping in mind that things are going just fine. We don't see naysayers' worst nightmares from carnage on the roads to a teenage zombie stoner apocalypse. What we do see is a nascent industry struggling to swim against the strong currents of overregulation and unfair tax burdens. Legalization hits its fifth birthday this fall. That's 35 in dog years. I always love reading David's words. Thank you, David, for those excellent thoughts on Health Canada should just leave us alone, and I love your term of, of helicopter parent. <laughs> Do you think they're going to stop doing that anytime soon? Well, we can always wish, can't we? From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Back in episode 66, I introduced you to Therese Bowers, a cannabis coach who works out of Nelson, B.C. We recently caught up with each other when we were both at the B.C. Summit, and decided it was time to do a catch-up and see how she's been doing as that cannabis coach. She's doing pretty well. We pick up the conversation after I remind Therese what a great URL she has for her business. First of all, I have to say, as I was getting ready for it, I was reminded of your website. Like, you've got the best website URL in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Who can get in that short anymore? (laughs) Therese.ca. That's where you go if you want to get some information. And I'm speaking with Therese Bowers. And Therese is a cannabis coach who works out of Nelson in the Kootenays. And she was on the podcast previously. And if you have listened to that episode, I'm sure you're looking forward to hearing more from her. And we're going to get an update on how things have been going. Therese, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back. Let's put a bit of a background on it. Um, The last time we spoke, you were just kind of heading down the road of, of this cannabis coaching. You'd taken your education. Now you were looking for clients. How's it gone in the meantime? Yeah, it's been a lot of educating the public as to what I do and what a cannabis coach is and the whole piece about cannabis education. So um, I I often will say I'm a cannabis coach and people are like, what is that? And <laughs> so there's my opportunity to say I work with people to find their way uh, with with a safe and healthy relationship with Canada in, in a medical in a medical way. And um, so it's been really you know, you know, what's really changed over the last year is my um, interaction with seniors, which I was quite shocked. So originally, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm 
I'm going to work with women who are like menopausal and I'm going to work with just some basic little, you know, like just gearing them up to have just a better second half of life. And it was the seniors who were like, but, but we want education and we need support. And seniors are the fastest growing population to cannabis. So I was, what came about actually, can I share how this came about that seniors kind of, please do. Yeah. So after a year or so of doing a lot of social media marketing, trying to get my name out there, I ran into a lot of issues with uh, censorship, with banning, with all the fun things about social media. And I was getting really frustrated and um, spending a lot of time and then having it all, all go down the drain. And so I came back to the drawing board of, of how to market, how to talk about cannabis in a, in a way that doesn't get me shut down. And um, I wanted to move back into how I used to market years ago as an entrepreneur and other businesses that I've run. I did things face-to-face and I would have community events and invite people to come out and I would send out a newsletter and I didn't have Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And so I thought, hey, how would I do that again? Because I love doing that. I love that kind of marketing. And then I thought about, well, who is in person? Who meets in person still? And who likes to hear hear public speaking and that kind of thing? And it came about that it was seniors. So there's seniors education organizations in almost every city. And it's a hub. That's a hub for seniors and for education. And so that's where I, I kind of fell into. And I um, speak with seniors in Nelson and in Trail and in Castlegar and in Kelowna and on the island, Vancouver Island. So whoever will help will have me come either in person or on zoom. Um, I will do, I do free talks for seniors and then those seniors get just that little bit of education. And then they're like, okay, I want more. I want more. And so then they, uh, they funnel into one-on-one coaching with me and then I guide them through and I've adjusted my coaching practice just for seniors and changing how I work with them. So we work over a three month period of time and they have six sessions that they can work with me and ask their questions and get guidance and adjustments and titrations and things like that. That's a really big piece that's changed. And that's a very cool piece that's changed because I can attest after having worked in a cannabis store for three years now, seniors are a big part of the market. And they are totally underserved. Mm-hmm. The biggest frustration we have as retailers is not being able to answer the questions like you can. Yeah. Yes. Because we're not allowed to. Yes. And and that is extremely frustrating. In fact, I had somebody call me this morning and I, I passed on your name oh, you. to her mm-hmm. because she was looking for some of that extra help that we just simply can't provide within the context of the store. Mm-hmm. So good good on you, Therese. That's, that's smart marketing and a smart entrepreneur. Yes. And it's made my job a whole lot more fun because I'm not continually fighting with social media and seniors are not, that's not their primary go-to source for education, social media. I mean, lots are on it, but they would, yeah, they would rather see me at the front of the room and ask their questions and see, see who I am and, and get, yes. And, and interact with me in person. Yeah. What kind of depth do you go to? in in those discussions in, in terms of the education and cannabinoids and such? Yes. So it's usually an hour and a half to two hours. Um, and I always open it up for questions through the whole piece. So I don't make people wait to their questions because I know that as I begin to talk about something, there's a question that's going to arise. So we start by, by talking about uh, the endocannabinoid system. That's number one. That is we have a system in our bodies. This is how cannabis interacts with it. 
Um, and then we talk about the receptors. We talk about um, our own endogenous cannabinoids that we make in our own body. And then we talk about the role of other cannabinoids. So we touch more, mostly on THC and CBD, but also a bit on all the other cannabinoids. The um, acidic cannabinoids are raw cannabis, uh, CBN, CBG, THCB. Uh, so I'm trying to focus on cannabinoids that we can actually access in stores now. THCB, not there yet, but I like to just drop yeah, that. Yeah, not very much. No, yeah. but I like to drop that little, like, this is what's coming. Um, <laughs> and interesting, a lot of my focus is going to the raw cannabinoids. So the research that's coming out now about the raw cannabinoids is phenomenal. And it doesn't have the intoxicating uh, piece to it. Right, so you're talking the acidic, the, the THCAs in the world. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so we're teaching seniors how to use it in their tea or in their food or just adding it as a supplement as opposed to heating up their cannabis or taking it as a more of a medicine. And then we go through um, some just common, so if you're looking at pain, maybe you want to start with a one-to-one -one ratio. So talking about ratios just briefly, if you have anxiety, maybe you want to look at a one to 20. So one part THC, 20 parts CBD. So talking about some basic sleep. So just some basic guidelines on some where to start, what, what ratios to start with. And we look at methods of intake and I talk about the four most common um, methods of intake, inhalation, sublingual, oral ingestion, and topical. And, and then we talk about balancing the endocannabinoid system outside of cannabis and what other, other healing and health modalities can be helpful. Give me a sense of, of what, what those would be yeah. since you brought it up. Yeah, so uh, definitely sleep. We talk about healthy sleep hygienes. Um, and I don't go into specifics, so I do that more in a coaching session where I would be like, what's your sleep hygiene and how can we enhance that? I talk about movement a lot and, it's ex and really emphasizing movement over exercise. Because I'm not a great exercise person. I don't like getting sweaty and running around the block. I don't like it. And so I'm, I don't know, lots of people don't, but, but turning it around to finding healthy ways of moving our bodies um, that works for us and that we're not overextending and all those things. Um, we talk about a healthy supplement regime of not taking too much, taking what you need and listening to your body. Actually, that's another piece too, is just really talking about listening to your body and letting it guide us um, to our, to our healthy, to our healthy way forward. It's interesting that, that you're referring to a lot of the raw cannabinoids now. And I'm wondering, because the other thing we talked before we began our discussion here about how this industry has changed so rapidly and we're talking about much different things, terpenes was not something we talked about three and a half years ago. They obviously existed then. We were just ignorant of them, I suppose. Are, are you finding that that's now coming into your therapy at all, or is it still the raw cannabinoids that are having more impact? No, but uh, yeah, terpenes as well. We I mentioned them in the, in the introduction course that I do, but I don't touch too deeply on it because it kind of goes off and it just it's kind of like a level two um so i would in a in a uh in a one-on-one -on -one coaching session i would talk about terpenes specifically if i don't always do that the first level like i might just start with let's just start with a one to 20 and go from there and then if there's like oh it's not quite getting it okay let's look at the terpene profile and see if we can dial it down a little bit more sometimes when i get too specific on ratios and cannabinoids and terpenes and method of intake it's just too much so yeah i can get lost in the weeds yeah yes and i would assume since people are coming to you for cannabis consultation that they have a 
an easier acceptance, less stigma? Or would that be true with, with your clientele? There is less stigma in regards to cannabis? I believe that they've taken that first step to open their mind and be willing okay. to consider something else. So mm -hmm. I do have people who have said, okay, I'm coming to you because I don't want to run on the streets naked when I take cannabis. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And this has been a number of clients who have this concern. And, yeah, yeah. and so, um, so they will share their stigmas or their misbeliefs with me, which is great because then I can help work around that and guide through it. But ultimately, I really appreciate their braveness and courage to even come and book a call in the first place because they've already overcome a lot of stigma to even get in the right. door. Yeah, that's, that's fabulous. Cause as I'm sure, you know, we deal with it all the time. Seniors come in, we'll have a conversation. We'll, we'll, we'll come to a conclusion of what they should probably leave the store with. And in some cases they will leave the store and then they'll get out in the parking lot and then we'll see a TAC symbol. Yeah. Even though we've had that discussion, it shouldn't be a surprise, yeah. but it just freaks out a lot of people still. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I talk yeah. a lot about THC versus CBD because we've had this cultural um, THC is the bad cannabinoid and CBD is the good cannabinoid. And so I really tried to bring that together. And my illustration is that they're like sisters and they work really well together. So me and my sister, we're inseparable and we're both different. We bring different things to the table, but when we're alone, we're not as powerful and we're not as potent and we don't work as well when we're isolated and separated. And so I like to have that piece. And I always explain that THC along with CBD helps helps to activate the CBD as well and helps it to work better within the body. So by explaining how those work within the receptors and how we don't have to get high with THC, we can find our dose that's still going to be therapeutic and work without getting a high. That tends to really help to help too. So any success stories that, that you could share with some anonymity for your clients? Absolutely. Perspective? Yes. So um, I have a senior on the island who I've been working with since the fall. So since about October. And he presented with um, anxiety and sleep. He wasn't sleeping very, very well and tinnitus. And so when he came to me, he's like, can it help me with all these things? So with anxiety, with mood during the day and with sleep and with the tinnitus. Um, the one thing I didn't know about much about was tinnitus and the research is showing that it's not really sure yet. It's like, maybe it helps some people, maybe it exasperates it. So I really made sure that he knew that we don't know yet if it's going to help your tinnitus or if it's going to make it worse, but let's start with your sleep and your anxiety during the day. And, um, over the course of a number of months, I think it only took, uh, less than a month to start seeing improvements in his sleep. So falling asleep faster, not waking up to go use the washroom as often and feeling rested in the morning. Nice. Then, and, and can you share what, what it was that, that got him to that point yeah. in terms of his therapy? Yeah. So he was ended up um, on a one-to-one -one, 15 to 15 ratio THC to CBD and then taking, so starting out really, really low, um, probably started with 0.25 mils, which may be about, um, uh, about five milligrams at a time started with that and then increased it up to where he, where, where was a good dose for him, where he wasn't feeling groggy in the morning, but he was getting good sleep. And, and we do that, that process slow. So I'm, I don't want to bring um, clients to a place where they're feeling uncomfortable or feeling stressed about being high or anything like that. So we take it really, really slow. 
by having that good sleep at night, that helps impact the mornings and have, we wake up better. We wake up more rested and our anxiety isn't quite so like, oh my gosh, we don't have sleep and now we have anxiety. So that helped to start the day out in a better way. And, um, and then we utilized a oh, one to 25 for the daytime. And that helped okay. him. And were these all sublingual oils yes. that, that he was doing? Yes, okay. yeah, all sublingual oils. Um, and that helped him to give a bit of calm. And so one of the things he shared was uh, when I'm driving, I'm not as, um, uh, what's the word, uh, irritated with other drivers. So that's where he, that's where he noticed it. And then just kind of um, less irritation and anxiety around the tinnitus. So till this point, we haven't been able to shift the tinnitus uh, with cannabis at all. We're still working on that. But it's, it was his thinking around it that helped to just calmed it down, was able to be more grounded in his body, was able to maybe take a breath or two and just know, okay, I can do this. It's, it's going to be okay. So we're still working on it. We're also still working on increasing the CBD dose during the day to bring that more sense of grounding and calmness and see how we can just kind of move that a little bit more forward um, for him. And the ratios that you're using, these are based on information that was obtained by the Institute where you took your education or through for the research that you've done yourself? All, all, all. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. and, and I do a lot of intuitive work too. So I have my knowledge that I've learned and then I check in and be like, okay, where, where would be a good place to go to start? And then I check in with my client. How does this feel? So I often will give them an option. So when I'm making suggestions for products or methods of intake, I'll say, well, these are, these are some ideas that I have, but I want you to feel it out. What's going to work for you? Because ultimately, again, I want us to each of us to be following our own body and what our bodies are telling us. We have not ever had that opportunity in a doctor's office to say, actually, I'd like to, I'd I don't want that one. I think this one would be better for me. And we need to trust that. We need to trust our own bodies. Yeah, good point. Yes. So the other thing I'm really curious about, Therese, is, is these ratios that you talk about. How are those being obtained, knowing what product is available on the current market? There has to be some difficulty to, to obtain that. Yes. So I try to go with products that are already on the shelf. Maybe I'll check out the, per the person's local store and see what they have. And then it's kind of like a throwing a dart, right? Because everybody's got different stock and different products, different brands, different combinations. Um, so we'll start with something and and then we'll go from go from there. So if we're starting with, let's say, a one-to-one -one ratio, so one part THC, one part CBD, and maybe they're not quite getting, maybe it's pain that they're working with and they're not get, getting the pain relief that they want, but they've got a one-to-one -one and a one-to-one -one should work. I'm going to intuit that possibly they need more THC. So instead of, of um, trying to still, so this is after titration of that product and getting to the maximum of what they can do without getting, without the side effects um, impacting them. And so then I might go and say, okay, go and buy a specific bottle of THC and then start adding that in so that we can adjust the ratio so then it can be more like a two to one um, or with the cbd let's say we need more cbd so get a bottle of cbd and start adding drops in and going from there so those are for those situations where the standard dosing of the one to 25 or the one to one or the one to zero or or, or 
or are not working. Then we get separate bottles and start doing it ourselves until we find the ratio. And then can we find that ratio of product already created or are we still creating it ourselves with two separate yeah. bottles? That's a very clever approach because there's obviously some difficulty in finding mean, the one-to-ones, the balanced, they're all over the place. Yeah. You can find any number of those balances and 15, 15, 30, 30, however you want to break it down. Yeah. So that's really interesting. I, I wondered how you were doing that. Mm -hmm. Any other success story you'd like to share? Um, yes. Yeah, so let's look at, uh, so I had a um, gentleman who uh, was diagnosed with MS and he sent me a picture of all of his uh, pharmaceuticals that he had been using to help manage symptoms of MS. He had already started on a journey of cannabis, so he had already stopped some of the, uh, he had already converted some of his uh, pharmaceuticals over to cannabis protocols, but he still had a few more to go. Um, and so we were working specifically on sleep and trying to get um, off of the sleep medications. And we did it in a very short amount of time. Um, within a month, uh, he was off of the sleeping pharm pharmaceuticals and on to cannabis. Um, and uh, yeah, it just was incredible. The, the, uh, the change of all of these prescription drugs that he needed and then more prescription drugs to counteract the side effects of what those were happening for him. And then now the picture that he sent me is his, his edibles and his inhaling uh, products and his topicals and uh, his oils. And that's what replaced everything else. And so it was a little bit, it's, it can be more complicated though with an illness like that because you might need multiple methods of intake, not just take your oil and you're good to go. You might need more. That's fabulous. Nice to hear that you're having some success with, with the program and, and people are enjoying, enjoying their success that you're allowing them to get. Fabulous, Therese. Yes. Excellent. Well, it's been wonderful catching up with you. How's life in Nelson these days? It is beautiful and sunny, and I've started my seeds, my sprouts, my cannabis. Uh, some of them are already you, planted in I the just, garden. Uh, popped, I'm just germinating mine right now, too. Yes, yes. And it's been... <laughs> was delayed because of my Australian trip, so uh, we're waiting to do that. Yeah, I was delayed, too. But I'm crossing my fingers. It's all going to be good. Um, we've had a beautiful spring and a lot of sun, so I'm pushing them out to the garden earlier than I would normally. Uh, and I'm okay, just being like, nice. come on, girls, you can do this. We're going <laughs> to grow big and grow good quality. I'm also really wanting to focus on CBG in the garden this year. Okay. Okay. So you're growing some CBG specific or you're doing, going to stop the plant before it develops into THC and CBD? Both. Both. Okay. So I have a couple of CBG strains and then I'm also going to handpick as the season goes and see which one calls to me to be harvested early. Oh, what an excellent idea. I, I think we, we've now set up our third conversation <laughs> once we've harvested those plants and we can see what the end result is. Awesome. So what's your perception from a medical or a health perspective? What is CBG bringing to the picture? Mm -hmm. um, Non-intoxicating pain relief is primarily because it deals with am i correct in in that a lot of what cbg is bringing is, is not through the cannabis receptors it's other receptors in the body that, that it's impacting yes um and actually i haven't studied that thoroughly yet to know how it's getting into the system okay um because i know we have cbga which is the raw um piece yep. and the cbg <clears throat> which is the decarbed uh, so that's a good question. I need to dig into that more and find out more how it's getting into our bodies, how it's interacting. 
Yeah, I just discovered that in, in the last episode before this one. I, I covered off some CBG stuff, and that was part of what the conversation was, was that it impacts other receptors, and that's why it is having different impacts than, than our typical cannabinoids. So I'll be curious if you could share that research when, once you have some of that. Absolutely, yeah. And it's also being um, toted for cancer as well. So adding, making sure yeah. that we have multiple cannabinoids in our cancer treatments uh, that we're utilizing as well. Well, it has been fabulous catching up with you, Therese. You've had you've shared some wonderful stories. I'm so happy to hear that Therese Bower's cannabis coaching is going exceptionally well. And let's share your URL again, your fabulous URL, if anybody wants to contact you or any other methods you'd like to get contacted. Mm -hmm. Yes. So my website is therese.ca, T-E-R-E-S-E.ca. And that's the best way. There's links to Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram on the, on the website. But that's my favorite place to hang out is on the website. Well, thanks for your time tonight, Therese. I really appreciate it. And you enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to the corner. Go to the corner. Oh, yeah. Go to the corner. Please explain this stuff to me. We're trying something different on Cultivar Corner today. I haven't dealt too much with some of the odd products that are out there. And I have to admit, when the rep first came into the store to tell me about this one, my first response was, why are you adding botanical terpenes to hashish? <laughs> I still ask that question, but apparently they have to get some flavor in there for people to truly be interested in trying it. I don't quite understand why. What we're trying today, Shred X, Rip strip hash and this is the blueberry blaster so what shred has done is they've created a nice little hashish and made it really easy for you to put some into your joint or into a bowl or wherever you would like to do it oh definitely some blueberry flavor here so this one today is just going to be a joint I'm not going to use the crafty with the hash strips. So what have I got here? <laughs> it's a very interesting product. As I open it up, comes a little plastic case, which is holding two grams of hashish in very convenient little strips. Ten strips, in fact, in the two-gram package, which means that you can just peel off one of these strips, just like that, and drop that puppy into a joint, or into your bowl, or into your bong, or wherever you'd like to drop it. So what I'm going to do today, I am rolling up the joints with some of my AK-47 from the garden from last year, and I am adding one of these blueberry blaster rip strip hash strips to that, and we're going to see what kind of effect it has. Now, I will tell you, these things are really sticky. Uh, they can stick to your hands pretty well <laughs> and suddenly be lost. And you go, whoa, oh, there it is. It's stuck to the back of my hand. <laughs> and, and again, I mean, I understand. Well, actually, I don't. <laughs> I was going to say I understand why they're adding the botanical terpenes so that they can get some more flavor and get that blueberry, that really strong blueberry scent. And, and there is certainly a strong blueberry scent here. 
Could the product have survived without the blueberry scent? I think it probably could have. Then we just would have had a really nice hash strip. So let me give you a better per... Yeah, there's definitely some blueberry notes. And because of the blueberry, I'm not really picking up any hash scent. So let's give you the lowdown on the product. There's not a ton of information on the website. You can find the link, of course, on the show page. And the link will be to the Rip Strip Hash. Blueberry Blaster Rip Strip. <laughs> it's early in the morning, okay? That's why I can't speak. Blueberry Blaster Rip Strip Hash. Shreds Blueberry Blaster Rip Strip Hash is 10 easy-to-rip strips. 35% THC. That's what's on my package as well. Yeah, 35 point. No, actually, 38%. Ooh, ooh. I gained a little bit on everybody else. <laughs> Shred has reinvented the hash wheel with the introduction of Rip Strip Hash. We've pressed an insanely impressive blueberry and kush-flavored blend into hash and then shaped that dark and rich hash into 10 easy-to-rip strips which can then easily be added to your joint, bowl, or pipe for some added potency and flavor. Two grams total, THC ranging from 35 to 40%. As I say, I got 38. Super easy, big flavor, extreme THC. And the flavor notes are going to be blueberry and kush. And we're about to test that. This is some of my AK-47 with a nice strip of ShredX Rip Strip Blueberry Blaster. And the thing I always like when you put a little rip of hash in a joint is watching that burn down through the joint and you end up with this just this this ash of, of the, the roll that you put inside of that. I'm expecting to see the same thing here. All right, there's the first taste of the hash. Definitely cushy for those who like their cush. I'm thinking this is going to be a real fan favorite. I have to say through the joint. Okay, I was about to say there's not much of that blueberry, but it's coming in more on the exhale. And 38% THC. So expecting to get a fairly big hit. This is an indica hash rip strip. Perhaps I should have done this at a different time of the day. <laughs> this may set me up for a day where I'm napping, perhaps, more than I would normally do. <laughs> hmm. Okay. And starting to feel some of those effects. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Here comes that euphoria. Now, I guess there's the danger when you're doing it by yourself that, you, that you're wasting a little bit of hash while you talk and <laughs> have those breaks in between. Hmm. It's pretty smooth. 
Now, I realize that some of that smoothness is also dependent on the weed that's underneath, and the AK-47 I grew last year was pretty smooth. Ah, here we go. Mmm. Because when you got 38% THC in your hashish, whether it's in a strip or not a strip, I'm wanting to feel that effect, and I'm starting to feel that effect. The euphoria coming on now. Not just a touch of happy eyes. Which, of course, doesn't come up with every weed. And having said that, it's now coming on a little stronger in the eyes. <laughs> Moving definitely into a really nice body stone. And there's nothing wrong with that today. That will meet my needs rather perfectly for today. I used one entire strip in this joint. Some would say perhaps you didn't need to use that much, Gary. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's not it's not blasting me back into my chair, but it's a really nice body stone. Chill. Feeling pretty good. And I still got nine more strips to go. <laughs> it's an interesting way to distribute hashish. It certainly does make it easier for those who don't want to get out their flame and brush the edge of that hashish to soften a little bit and roll it into your own ball. I, I don't find it all that difficult to work with. <laughs> but apparently out there, there are people that do. And apparently there are people out there that need to have some kind of flavoring agent before they really enjoy their cannabis. I still think that's a little weird, but the industry is telling me that I may have to adapt. <laughs> this was ShredX Ripstrip Hash, their Blueberry Blaster, THC sitting at 38% with a flavor profile of blueberry and cush aroma, definitely some cushy and the blueberry most noticeable on the exhale. Another innovation in the legal cannabis industry that brings a different way that we can get high, a different way we can consume our cannabis. And they've certainly made it easy pulling off one of those rip strips and just dropping it into your joint. Hmm. Shred-X rip strip hash. It's got me a little ripped. And once again, I can add a bit further context as... My endocannabinoid system continued to consume that THC in my CB1 receptors. Yeah, it, it's definitely got me ripped. This is a really nice high. I, I like the intensity of it. I like that it's just really a really nice body stone. My head isn't being messed up too much and just feeling really good. Thank you, Shred. Sharing stories about good weed while trying good weed. This is the Cannabis Podcast. And we're going to Stratcan.com for our next story, which reminds us that cannabis consumers in Canada are willing to pay for more quality, but they're still focused on high THC. 
A recent study in the Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs examined cannabis consumer preferences as they relate to choosing where and what to purchase. The study shows that cannabis consumers in Canada are willing to pay more for a higher quality legal flower with an emphasis on high THC. However, their motivations have less to do with price and more to do with THC potency and package and label information. Those with more loyalty to the legal market tended to prefer pre-rolls and were more likely to be less frequent consumers. In contrast, more high-volume consumers preferred larger volume packaging and were more likely to care about THC potency and price. Researchers highlight that the results show a balancing act for regulators with public health regulatory goals, while also allowing for product types and packaging that will appeal to consumers more likely to turn to the unregulated to meet their needs. There are three types of consumers. The study divided respondents into three mostly distinct groups and had them rate purchase preference for cannabis flower based on characteristics like THC potency, moisture level, price, packaging, legal status, and recommendations. The first group, about 30% of the 891 total participants, based purchases on a preference for high THC, higher than 25%, and price. These tended to be more long-time consumers who use cannabis regularly and were more likely to have an ideological preference for unlicensed sources. The second group, about 40% of all respondents, were more likely to make purchasing decisions based on product type and the amount of information on the label. The group preferred larger packaging and whole flour over pre-rolls and tended to put more importance on proper moisture levels than the other two groups. The third group, 30% of the respondents were also most motivated by packaging type, but instead had a preference for pre-rolls over other dried flower skews. While most consumers didn't rate legal cannabis as a high priority in purchasing decisions, this group gave it more importance than the first two groups. This group also tended to consume less often than the other two and were more likely to report starting or restarting cannabis use after legalization. All three groups didn't give much weight to recommendations, including online reviews, family and friends, or retailers. The first group gave more importance to online reviews, the second group had a slight preference for family and friend recommendations, and the third group tended to be more motivated by retailer recommendations. Although there was some crossover in reporting groups, most tended to fit into just one category. Overall, consumers placed a low priority on recommendations. They were willing to pay more for dried flour than pre-rolls, more for flour that wasn't overly dried, more for high TAC flour, and more for detailed product information on the label. And that story from StratCan.com. Thanks to David Brown and the rest of the crew. Interesting. Consumers will pay a little bit more. Which of those three groups do you think you fall into? Once more, let me thank you for being a listener. I truly appreciate you were here for every episode of the Cannabis Podcast. It means a lot to me. Some shout-outs to Kevin and Jordana for their support at buymeacoffee.com. To Tony and Rob for their support on Patreon. If you would like to support the podcast as they do, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash cannabispodcast. If you do like what you hear and you feel so inclined, you could buy me a doobie or you can head over onto Patreon and you can become a patron of the podcast. All the links are at the top right on the show page. If you ever have a comment on anything you hear on the Cannabis Podcast, please send a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. That does it for episode 125 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the Cannabis Infused Studio, high above the Okanagan Valley... 
This was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.